I think about our church. There's so many things about I love about our church. And um, there's so many words that kind of come to mind to characterize you guys. And one of them is passionate. Like so often you guys show up and man, there are so many ways that you guys come with all that you have. Our staff is passionate. Our staff comes and they're working hard. They are making sure like stuff like this, events like this, man, this takes a lot to pull off. And our team does an incredible job. And many of you guys are volunteers. Many of you guys show up early. You stay late. You're stacking chairs. You're working with kids. You're in the nursery. Uh, you're, you're taking the seating charts Joey puts together and you're working wonders with those as people show up. We have our band here all day. We've got our youth men on Friday nights. I mean, just so many things. And I would say so many of you guys are passionate. Another thing I'd say about our church, and you, you see it a little bit here, you see it more in the morning two services, but multi-generational. Like we have so many different age groups. If you come to the morning services, there's children all over the field. We just let them run freely. No, we don't do that. But, but there's just like kids everywhere, which is awesome. And then we've got youth and then we've got young adults. And then there's like working families and young marrieds. And then there's, you know, families like mine with kids and all the way up to the older crew. Like, it's just so cool. My buddy Ray, when he spoke a few months ago here, he was like, man, one of the things I love about your church is just how multi-generational you are. It's really unique. And I love that. I'm so thankful for that. Another thing I think uh, a word that characterizes you guys is flexible. Like, think about this. You ready? If you've been with us for a few years, then you were in the old building, right? A few miles away on 347. And then we sold that building. We didn't know where we were going. So that was like a huge step of faith. You guys were so ready. You're like, we don't know where we're going, but let's do this. We feel God in this. And so you were flexible, right? Then we rent the school. Then with the, the pandemic hits and we have to go to streaming only for several months. Then we start driving services here. Then we go back to the school. Then we have to stream again because the, the pandemic gets crazy again. And the virus goes nuts again. Then we go back to the school for two services. Then we go to three services. Then we go to four services. Then we're here on these different times. You guys all showed up a little bit early tonight. Good job on that. We were a little nervous holding our breath, but you pulled it off. Incredible work. And I, I just want to let you know how amazing it is that you guys are so flexible. And so next Sunday, we're holding all our services at the Bronx Zoo. So just uh, <laughs> you guys are ready for that. Don't really show up there. I would think another thing, and this is really funny, you know, like, you know when God's spirit is moving and he has people synced up when, when two people say the same thing from the stage and they didn't even talk about it. And so literally in my notes, Joe had no clue what I was going to talk about tonight, but one of the words that came to my mind was good looking. It's literally in my notes. So you guys give yourselves a hand, right? The Holy Spirit is now confirmed <laughs> that this is a good looking church right here. But here's the word I really want to talk about tonight. And the word is generous. You guys are this. You guys have helped other churches start. Like friends of ours who wanted to go start a church and, and maybe they're 10 miles away or, or 30 miles away. Like you guys have given thousands of dollars to other churches so they can start telling people about Jesus in different towns. I love that about you guys. Um, Soundview Pregnancy, a bunch of you guys were there yesterday at the Walk for Life. They raised 120 something thousand dollars in a day to come alongside women and families in crisis in pregnancy. Love that. Incredible. Uh, Long Island Youth Mentoring we've worked with, International Justice Mission. And I just want to make a, a note here at the first service when I was talking about the International Justice Mission, I actually called it by accident the International Justice League. And I didn't even blink an eye. And then I just stop myself and I just say Justice League, which I think they should change the name. It's a way better name, right? So we're going to start referring to them as IJL, IJL all right? But man, think about that. We're, we're, we're partnering with those guys. And then we love our grocery outreach. 
You know, this past Wednesday was the first one I got to go to since I've been out of the hospital. Our team did an incredible job keeping that going the entire time. They were there, middle December, middle November, February, January, all the snowstorms and the rain. And we were out there Wednesday, and I came back just in time for the nice weather. But we're out there, and I met a new regular, like, like somebody who comes regularly, I can't say that word, regularly now, but I didn't know them because they had just started coming in this last season. And this lady lives in her car. She comes every Wednesday because she lives in her car and she relies on the food that you guys provide for her. And one of the ladies that goes out with us has connected with her and gave her her cell phone number and said, you text me what you need because you can't eat a lot of things. Like you can't take all of most of the stuff that we bring and, and make that in a car. And so we have this little conversation going, but these are the types of people that your generosity is reaching. And I just love that so much. So we are a passionate, multi-generational, flexible, fine-looking, generous church. That's who we are. This is so important that we're generous because God is generous, right? Think about God. He is a giving God, like gives us his son. And because we have his son, we have forgiveness and salvation and and love and joy and peace and hope. If you don't have those things tonight, I just want to let you know those are available in God. And we're going to talk about what that looks like. But God's on a mission and we are on that mission with God, okay? He's up to something. He's done something. And the reason he's generous is not just to lavish you and I all these great gifts, but there's a whole community out there, right, that needs to hear about the rescuing of mankind, the salvation, this gift that God's given us that we would be with him in eternity, right? And so we're joining him in that mission, and we want to see that taking place right here. And so in this series, we're talking about reaching Long Island and constructing or building this permanent home for you and I to be able to be here and be a part of this. But you know, like everything else in life, sometimes you hit obstacles, right? Sometimes there's opposition to the things that you're trying to do. And we've had a few of those. We've had some opposition, some obstacles. We've had a a bit of a challenge getting the architects and the general contractors on the same page at time. That's been really challenging for us. Obviously, the money to build this is an obstacle for us. Uh, One of the things that feels a little bit like opposition is just the length of time it's taken. I remember before we had purchased this place, we were sitting in Pastor Ravone's backyard, which was our office for a little while, and we were on the conference call with one of the architects. We're like, so when do you think this will be done? And like, if it was true to what he said, we'd be sitting in the building right now, right? And so, man, it's just taken a little bit longer, and there's some reasons for that. I mean, worldwide pandemic slowed things down. We were supposed to have these conversations a year ago, but we realized people are hurting. People are losing their jobs. People are sick. People have lost loved ones. Now's not a great time to try to cast this vision. And so we waited. And then it was supposed to be January, but I ended up in the hospital fighting for my life. And I just want to just, if I could just for a second, just continue to thank God for what he did in my life. Um, Kelly and I had lunch with one of the nurse practitioners that came and visited me almost every single day in the hospital. Her name is April Plank, an amazing woman. And we sat there with her and her husband. And, and listen, she told us things we did not know about my situation. Like we just did a whole five-week series talking about what I learned from almost dying. And I told you guys pretty in depth the things that God had done to rescue me in the times that I was close to death. But she told us several more times I should have died. She told us before I was ever on the vent or ECMO that I was in, I believe it was December 23rd, the day before they put me on the vent. And they, uh, they, she stationed a nurse outside my window just to watch me. And she said, he's going to code. He, he's going to code any minute. We're going to have to get in there and try to revive this guy. He's that close. No idea that was going on. Um, a few weeks later, when I ca- came off the vent in ECMO, I told you a few weeks ago about when they had to insert all these tubes in me. Yeah, that day I should have died. Where my blood pressure was, where my breathing was. 
all kinds of things. Um, then I, she said, how are you feeling, Doug? And I said, I'm feeling pretty good. I just have some problems with my back and my feet are really painful. And she said, well, Doug, you know, you were laying in that bed for so long. You weren't using your feet. And when you get that sick, all of your blood is pumped all in here to try to keep you alive, right? All your vital organs, trying to keep your, the blood flow to the brain and all these other organs. And so you're not getting a ton of blood flow in the hands and feet. And she said, Doug, honestly, a lot of people in your situation leave the hospital without some limbs. Like God really did an amazing thing in my life. And I'm just so thankful and grateful for what God's done for me. But we've had some opposition, right? And some challenges here as we've been trying to put this building up. Now, some of you guys tonight, if you're honest, you're like, Doug, I just don't care about the building. I've got other opposition in my life. I've got other obstacles in my life, and I'm really going through some stuff. And and here's what I want to kind of bring up. Whether you're thinking and excited about our building or you're just thinking about your own life right now and some of the opposition you're facing, we have to learn how to not let that opposition crush what God wants to do, right? I mean, it could have been easy at any of these points that I just mentioned when we face some opposition to say, eh, maybe we shouldn't buy that property. Maybe we should play it safe. Maybe we should just do this, that, or the other and come up with a different plan. And sometimes that's what we do in life. I want you to think about your own life for a minute. Maybe God gave you a vision for the kind of friend you should be to so-and-so, but there's been a lot of opposition. You ever had somebody in your life that you knew God wanted you to love, but every time you tried to love them, they just put up a wall? A lot of us know what it is to then look at that wall and say, well, I guess I'm just not supposed to keep reaching out. I'll tell you, God's taught me and my wife in this last season how to keep reaching out even when you get a wall almost every time. And there's a vision that God puts in our heart. And when I use that word vision, guys, I want to let you know I'm not talking about some super spiritual moment where you were meditating and you started floating and you saw like Jesus' face in the clouds, okay? That's not the kind of vision I'm talking about. The vision I'm talking about is when God puts something in your heart that you know you're supposed to aim your life at. You're supposed to have great purpose behind this vision. And so some of you guys have that vision for the kind of spouse or parent you should be. Some of you guys have that vision um, for your purpose. You just, you are hardwired to live a certain way. And, And when you try to live it out, it feels like, again, doors keep getting slammed in your face. And that opposition has worn some of that purpose down. Some of you guys, there was a season, I don't know if it's right now or in your past, but I want you to think about this. If you've known Jesus for a while, there was probably a time when you had such a vision to reach people with the love of Jesus. Like maybe it was your school, maybe it was in college, maybe it was the people you work with or your neighbors or your family, but you had such a vision and you were ready to go love the world to Jesus. But what'd you meet? Opposition. And that opposition shut that down. So I want you to really think about your own life tonight as we also talk about a building that we want to build here because whether it's a building or it's your life, we all know what it is to meet opposition when it comes to the vision that God's trying to give us. And here's the deal. If you've lived life for a little while, then you know that opposition is everywhere. Obstacles are everywhere. The opposition is great, but God is greater. And tonight I want us to talk about what it looks like to push past that opposition. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you're here tonight, you're watching online, I want to say that God has a vision for your life. There's a purpose for your life. And he wants to to really give you something to drive your energy at and your passion at. And I think, again, a lot of young people in, I was going to say in the room tonight, we'll call this the room. This is the living room right here. Uncle Doug's living room on the patio, right? And so here we are. Man, there is so much of you guys, there's so much in you guys that's like, give me something to live for. Give me a a hill to, to die on. Give me something to give my life to. Give me something, right? And I want to let you know that that's all wrapped up in Jesus and who he is. 
And so last week we went to talk about Nehemiah, and we're going to continue to learn from Nehemiah because he faced great opposition when he was trying to carry out a vision that God had given him. If you guys remember last week, or if you're new here tonight or watching online for the first time, basically Nehemiah had this vision to go rebuild this wall around his city. He and a bunch of his people were taken captive. He became the cupbearer, the king of Persia. And now his heart is broken because he finds out his city's fallen apart and everybody has been taken advantage of. People are left in ruins. And so he goes back, he travels back, and he's ready to rebuild this wall. And in Nehemiah 4, we find out, guess what? There's some opposition. When when Nehemiah gets back, the nations that live around uh, Judah here are not too excited that Nehemiah is back. And so they start to give some opposition. And so again, Nehemiah has a choice, like you and I have a choice when it comes to a building or it comes to our life. We let that opposition break us down or we continue to push forward knowing what God's called us to do. And so Nehemiah starts to hand out weapons to all of his guys that are building So they got like a spackle knife in one hand and a real knife in the other because they never know when someone's going to come attack. Now, thankfully, we haven't had to wield any weapons here on the property yet, and we won't, uh, when it comes to the opposition that we've met. But again, just bring it back to you. When you think about that vision God's given you, do you kind of have some some tools and weapons in your hand to fight for that thing? To fight in prayer and and fasting in prayer and expectation and and excitement and passion to, to see that vision played out in your life. The next part of Nehemiah's story is dear to our hearts here at the church because I know you and I know what your heart is about, okay? And I think you know what my heart's about because Nehemiah then begins to hear the cry of the poor and oppressed in Nehemiah chapter five. And he says, oh, I'm gonna fight for you. If you are poor and oppressed, I've got some fight in me for you. We're gonna take care of you and your needs. And what I love about that is that I think our church has that same heart. I think when we see the poor and the oppressed, there's something in us that is moved. And I I said last week, there's so many needs in our community, right? But great vision is always birthed in response to great need. And so here we are now in this incredible place to make an impact. And I don't think it's by mistake that God moved us closer to people in need, right? We were on 347 in a pretty affluent area. And it was really hard to reach people for Jesus. Ask Joey and Andrew. We went out and did everything we knew to do. We would go to Ciro's Pizza and stand outside in 30 degree weather and have little cards to people that said, if you show this at the front counter, you'll get a free slice on Living Word, right? Just trying to show love. And people are like, yeah, you guys are scammers throwing the card on the ground, you know? I mean, who would trust Joey and Andrew, right? I mean, no, I'm just kidding. And so, we'd be out there. I remember one time we went over to the gas station on Southern Boulevard and we were like, oh man, we just love it. Get the manager, the owner. Hey, can we pump gas for people out here on really cold days? He's like, nah, insurance this and insurance that, right? And so we move closer to need. And we just show up one day at the grocery store down the street and we just set up a table. This time I learned, you just don't ask the manager anymore. You just show, show, no, that's bad advice, but that's what we did. And so we show up and we set up the table and we've got the food and we begin to just hand out food. Now listen, it's not like this huge, it's not hundreds of people waiting there, right? It's small right now, but there's a lady living in her car that's getting food from us every week. And there's a lady who I told you in the fall we met who came right from prison. She was dropped off, had no car, dropped off, just got out of prison, was transitioning to a group home, which by the way is right across the street from the grocery store that we're ministering at. And we've got our regulars, we got little nicknames for them. We got Blue Gloves and we got the bus ladies and we, we got all these different people that show up. We have this one guy, we're standing out there one day and as he's walking by, he's like, what you guys doing? And we're like, oh, we're handing out food. 
And he's like, I don't need anything. And, and we're like, all right, God bless you. And he just goes, I hear you. Like, all right. So we got, I hear you, guy. Like, we got all our regulars that kind of come traipsing by that we're giving food out for. And I just love that in you and in me, there's this hunger to see that grow. And again, that's you, your guy's kindness. That's your guy's faithfulness. We used to send Joey into Walmart every single week and buy a bunch of stuff and bring it back out so we could give it out. Dude hasn't been in Walmart in months, as far as I know, because you guys keep giving. Not that he doesn't go on his own time, but <laughs> you guys keep giving so generously that we don't have to go in the store anymore. We're just able to pour out what you guys have been doing. And so we're excited about that fighting for the poor because that's what Nehemiah did in his community. And we feel very, very called to that as well. Now, there's something in Nehemiah's story in Nehemiah 5 that's so important. I'm going to read some verses and explain as I go. Here's what it says. Nehemiah is talking about his own experience. He says, From the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when I was appointed to be their governor in the land of Judah, until his 32nd year, 12 years. He's saying, so for 12 years, a 12-year period, neither I nor my brothers ate the food allotted to the governor. So Nehemiah could have had some food given to him that would have been way above the people around him. Remember, he's fighting for the poor and oppressed here, right? And it says this in verse 15, But the earlier governors, those preceding me, placed a heavy burden on the people and took 40 shekels of silver from them in addition to food and wine. And their assistants also lorded it over the people. Nehemiah is saying, hey, the guy before me, he took advantage of his position. And he didn't lead by example. And he hoarded and he treated people horribly. But listen to what Nehemiah says. This is so great. But out of reverence for God, I did not act like that. And then he says this, instead... I devoted myself to the work on this wall. What's he saying? He's saying, hey, when I was over there, you know, hanging out with the king of Persia, I could have just kept living on easy street, right? But instead, I gave all that up, and I was not taking advantage of anybody, and I was not eating the governor's food. Instead, what I did was I came and I led by example. I didn't send a group of of people back to go rebuild the wall. I came back to help rebuild the wall. What's he saying? Leaders go first, right? Leaders go first. Leaders have to start. Leaders have to jump in on the work first, right? And what I love about our church is that's what our our leaders have been doing. My family, as we talk about a building project, our our staff, our elders, um, our team leaders, like many of our group have come and said, okay, if we're going to build a building, then we go first. We're going to lead the way by example. We're not going to allow anyone to be taken advantage of. We're not going to allow anybody else to do something that we're not first doing. And we got to celebrate last week that many of our staff and elders and leaders came together and already pledged over $600,000 toward the building project and over 200000 or so already came in. Why? Because God has a vision and we're in on that. And out of reverence for God, like Nehemiah, out of love for you, out of love for the community, we want to make sure we're going first. We're not going to ask you to do something that we're first not doing. In Nehemiah 6, Nehemiah faces more opposition and he's got some enemies and they try to trick him and they try to basically take advantage of him. And these are the people that were threatening Nehemiah. And I love how this plays out in Nehemiah 6 too. It says, Sanballat and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not going to meet my enemies on the plain of Ono, right? Like, where are you guys meeting? 
Oh no, oh no. Like I'm not, right? I'm not going there, right? But here is Nehemiah's great answer. This is so great. And if you're a leader or you want to be a leader, we got some great leadership principles right here in the story of Nehemiah. But as people here trying to build the church, we're going to keep this principle in mind. As you people think about a vision God placed in your heart, the kind of spouse you want to be, the kind of parent you want to be, the kind of friend God's called you to be, the purpose for your life, being a light in your neighborhood, all those visions, please hear what Nehemiah says. He says, they were scheming to harm me. So I sent messengers to them with this reply. Here's the reply, you ready? I'm carrying on a great project and cannot go down to you. I'm doing something here that's really important. And you're trying to distract me. You're trying to get me off base here and you're coming after me and this is great opposition and you're out to harm me, but I'm doing something really important because God placed a vision in my heart and I'm gonna keep my eyes on that vision. He says, why should the work stop while I leave it and go down to you? Four times they sent me the same message and each time I gave them the same answer. I love that. Some of us need this vision back in our life so that we can live what God called us to do and be. Some of us need to look some people in the face or maybe some circumstances in the face and say, oh, no, no, I'm about a great work right now. I'm doing a great project right now, and I'm not going to listen, and I'm not going to go down to that level, and I'm not going to come down and argue with you, and I'm not going to allow this thing to fall apart because I know the vision God's placed in my heart. And as we think about this building here, we face some opposition. I pray we don't face too much more, but I'll tell you what, as we think about that opposition in our lives, and maybe you're thinking to yourself, I don't really know what's so exciting about a building. Guys, it's not about a building. It's about the lives that will be rebuilt in the building, right? That's why we're excited. That's what we're looking forward to. That's what we're so grateful for. But if you don't care about the building or the lives rebuilt in the building because you're trying to rebuild your own life, then let me just say, I think what you and I've got to do is continue to say, I'm about a great work right here. And I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast and I'm going to fight and I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to whatever I got to do so that I can live out the vision God's placed in my heart. They continue to plot against Nehemiah, but I love what it says in Nehemiah 6, 15. Book of Nehemiah isn't over yet. We're going to talk more about some more next week. And it's actually my favorite part of the book. But it says in this, in verse 15, so the wall was complete. Everybody say completed. So the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. Nehemiah's vision, the thing God had placed in his heart, finally came to fruition. I'm so excited to say that in 52 days, our building will be, no, it won't be, it won't be, it won't be. That would be really awesome. But think about it, there's a ton of reasons Nehemiah should have given up. There's a ton of reasons, right? There's opposition, there's intimidation, there's physical threats, but the wall was completed in 52 days because he kept his eyes on God's vision. He would not sink to anybody else's level. He would not get distracted. He would not allow that vision, that thing to die in him. Like it has in so many of us, right? That thing God placed on our heart just lost its steam. It lost its passion. It lost its fire. It's not as appealing. It's not as fun. But man, I feel tonight, I'm just supposed to tell you guys, we gotta get our eyes back on whatever that vision was. And we gotta fight for it. We gotta fight for it. And so the wall's completed because Nehemiah didn't play it safe. We could have played it safe, everybody. We had a good thing going on 347. We got a good thing going in the school, right? You could just think, ah, I could just stay while they're selling the school. So no, we can't, but, but that's two years away. Don't worry, you can sleep tonight. But I, I just won't. But, uh, <laughs> but as we think about, man, we had it pretty good. W- what if we had just stayed in the old building? 
What if we just looked around and we had our few hundred people and said, you know what, guys? Like, this is going well. Let's just love each other well. Let's go deep in our faith. Let's not worry about everybody out there that doesn't know the name of Jesus. Everybody out there that's headed to an eternity apart from our Savior. Let's not worry about all them. No, see, that's not the vision God placed in our heart. The vision God's given us is to be a church that unchurched people love to attend and where Christians can grow deep in our faith. So that growing deep in our faith part is really important, but there's a first part to it. And it's that unchurched people, that the people out in the community, people living in their cars and being dropped off from prison would come in and find hope. Or we'll just keep going out to them, whatever that looks like. But we want a place where they can find hope in God. And so we're gonna keep our eyes on God's vision, the thing that he's given to us. So what do we do here? And then I'm gonna talk specifically about our building project a little bit. So here's what I want you to think about tonight. Nehemiah has taught us to overcome opposition, keep your eyes on God's vision, right? To overcome that opposition in your life, whether again, your marriage, your dating relationship, your finances, your purpose God's given you to be here, breathe in oxygen every day, to make a difference on this world, to be a light in your community, whatever that stuff is, as you face opposition, and you will, we gotta keep our eyes on that vision and keep on fighting for it. And so, what does it look like for you? Let's talk your life first and then building stuff. Is, is there anything, just think for a minute, is there anything that you once had a great passion for? And it wasn't just like a passion that was your own. You knew it was a God thing. And it just, it fizzled out, man. Like what's that passion, that vision that you need to get back in your heart? I want you to pray about that tonight as you're here for the rest of the night, as you're worshiping later, as you, as you head home tonight, as you're kind of dozing off tonight. I want you to be saying, God, would you just fire that thing back up in me? because I believe you, you have a great purpose for me. But let's talk about our project. Here's what we know so far. We outgrew the old space. Thank God. That's a good problem to have as, as a church, right? We, we bought this property. We're renting at the school. The architects are working hard. And looking ahead, what we want to do is create a really great environment here at the church. We already have an epic environment here. And, and we keep saying, like, this guy did everything we wouldn't have done. Like, if I stood up and we already had a building and said, okay, guys, we want to build a gazebo. We're going to put a great patio out. There's going to be a fire pit here. We're going to build a building up. Like nobody gives to that stuff, right? Like, oh yeah, write my name on the brick. Like that's my brick right there. Like nobody cares, right? But it's here and it's amazing. So now we just have to build the building. Incredible, right? And so as you and I think about what this will look like, well, some of the things we're excited about are this, like a, a kid's space. Like we're so excited about kid's space. Why? Because right now the 22-6 key, uh, kids team has one room, right? It's like all these kids from all these different ages smooshed together. And the nursery, one room. So you got zero to what, three, Joe? In one room, right? And it's hard to reach different age groups specifically because they're all mashed together. Our team's doing an incredible job with it, but it makes it challenging. And one of the things we're pumped about in the new kids space is that we'll be able to separate some kids and we can reach them right on their level. And I know a lot of you guys are young, but you know what? In a few years, by God's grace, there'll be some more little ones running around. They may just be yours, right? And you're going to care a lot about kids ministry then. All right, you're going to care a lot about a nursery. You're going to care a lot about some, a lot of people are like, oh no, not me. I'm seeing a lot of shaking heads out there. Okay, all right, Lord, was that you? I don't know, was I prophesying? But I'll tell you, we're excited because we think that's really important. And we want, you know, kids to feel like every single classroom has some people in there that love them where they're at, that can reach them where they're at and can speak to them about the things that they're going through in their specific stage of life. We think that's really important. Um, auditorium space, we're excited. Right now, the room that we meet in, 
packed out on like Christmas with no social distancing uh, is about 225. Uh, we really believe that God could do something significant in our, our neighborhood here, our community. And so we're looking to build about a 500 seat auditorium where we can really reach people, where we can really see a lot of people come to Jesus. Uh, parking, I mean, we're going to have a lot of excavating to do, right? Because the building's going to be where half your cars are right now. And so we're going to have to excavate down toward the road, back up the hill, up top there. We're going to have parking all over the place. And so that takes time and energy and some money. Why? Because we want to reach as many people as possible. So how do we pay for it? Well, we could borrow money. We really don't want to. We really want to just cry out to God to do an amazing thing. He's already given us a $6 million property for 1.55. And we think he can pull this off too. And so we're praying that God would do some incredible things. So as I said last week, we are asking people to pray about pledging for a three-year gift. And we have that 600 plus thousand from the leaders and elders and staff. We have um, 454,000 in the bank. But I want to tell you something that you guys did this past week. We had two morning services last week and then it was Mother's Day dinner, right? And so as we left, you guys weren't all at Mother's Day dinner at my house. You guys missed it. And so as we left and I got home and I literally sat down at my sister-in-law's table for Mother's Day dinner and I opened up my phone and all of these new pledges came in that we didn't even ask for yet. That by the time I got home and sat down from church, which is like a couple hours, was $34,000 more pledged toward this project. In fact, it didn't stop there. You guys pledged another 71140 by this week. So that brings us up to 688562 that's been pledged. And then another four, 454000 in the bank. And so we're up over a million dollars. That's a great, like we're starting the campaign next Sunday. Does that make sense? Like that's crazy. And so we're praising God for that. Now I know uh, as I talk money, some of you guys watching online for the first time, you're ready to click off. Some of you guys here right now, you're ready to just get in your car and go because you thought this is what church is. But I said it last week and I keep on saying it. Go ahead and ask everybody around you. Go ask five strangers, you people on the stream, Five the other, find the other four people watching the stream right now and ask them, how often does this guy talk about money? When was the last time before last week he brought up money? And you're all going to probably be like, couldn't tell you. Couldn't tell you, right? Because I know how it goes with church. I know people's presuppositions that, oh, their church is just out for money and this and that and the other. And so we're really careful about how we talk about it here. But the other reason I don't have to talk about it so much because you guys are already generous. You guys are already givers. You guys are already so faithful. And so no, we're not going to ever guilt you into anything. We're not going to ask you to come next Sunday and jump in the fountain over there and empty your pockets or anything weird, right? We're just going to say, can we ask you to pray about if you should be involved? I mean, it might be fun to do a little fountain jump. I don't know. We'll talk as a staff this week. I'll let you know. But I just want you to pray. And this, just God, do you have me to be a part of this? And some of you guys are like, Doug, I'm, I'm young. I'm kind of like between jobs or I'm taking a year off or I'm, I'm working part-time and I'm supporting my, okay. Look, if God has for you to be a part of it and give $10 a month, that's going to be a blessing. Like that's going to help us. That's why we broke this up into a three-year pledge because we know a lot of us don't have like $1,000 or $5,000 or a million dollars just sitting in the bank right now, right? A lot of us are living on a budget or our parents' budget. A lot of us are, all right, kind of wrestling through some stuff right now. And so to give might be really difficult. And some of us shouldn't give. And some of us should, but it's going to require great sacrifice. And some of us are in a really great position to give. And so I pray that you would just say, God, do you have me to be a part of this? If the answer is no, 
We love you. We're so thankful you're a part of this church family. If the answer is yes, I pray that we come cheerfully and with excitement and passion and do what God has called us to do. So what I want you to do is take out your phone real quick, all right? And I want you to open up the Living Word Church LI app, and I want you to hit the sign-ups button once you open that up, and then you're going to see the Reach LI campaign slash new building. I want you to click on that sign-up for a minute, okay? And I want to just walk you through some of the commitments we need, some of the gifts we need. It's all there. Everything I'm seeing right here in my notes is on the app right there. And you'll see it says core commitments. And we need 200 people to give $3,000 over three years. Key commitments. We need 20 people to give 10000 over three years and 20 people to give 15000 over three years and so on. Legacy commitments. Five people to give 30000 over three years. You can kind of see on down the list there, right? I'm not going to walk through every bracket with you right now. But as you're looking at that, we're just kind of aiming, right? It's a little bit of a vision of what we need to accomplish what we know God's calling us to do. And somebody asked me a great question today. Actually, two people asked me two great questions. The first question was, if I commit to something and then I can't pay it, what happens? Will we take you to small court? No, I'm kidding. We, <laughs> small claims court. No, absolutely not. Like if you, um, I should not have said that out loud. Um, if you guys something happens, you lose your job or the economy just tanks or any of that wonderful stuff, then of course, you guys, you're, you're free to, I mean, they're not going to be knocking on your door like, hey, you said, right? Like, no, we understand life happens, right? We've all been there. We've all had issues at times and struggles, okay? So you're pledging in faith that, hey, I, I believe this is what God put on my heart and with everything I can do, I'm going to try and go ahead and do this. Um, the other question was, can I give something that's not bracketed? In other words, like, can I only give 3,000 or 10,000? Or somebody was like, I don't want to give 3,000, I want to give, but I also don't want to give 10. I want to give somewhere in the middle there, of course. You can kind of come up with your own number there as well. Maybe it's 500 bucks for over the three years, or maybe it's 50,000. Like, you come up with your thing that God puts on your heart. And so we're going to commit to this next week. Anybody that feels called to be a part of it. And I got to tell you, um, I'm so thankful you guys are, are here tonight because I think God's doing something pretty neat. And I don't want us just to look at this and say, oh, Doug's just talking about the building. And the, next Sunday, I'm so excited to talk about Nehemiah's story. Because do you know what happens in Nehemiah's story? I'll give you a little commercial for next Sunday. You see, in the Old Testament, they would build something. They would finish a project. They would build a, a wall. They'd rebuild a wall. They'd put a temple together, they, whatever it was. And do you know what so often happened when it was finished? This little word called revival took place over and over and over again. It's a theme. And we're going to talk about what it looks like when revival takes place. And we're going to pray that when we put that last brick in place and that last piece of paint in place and that last carpet in the kids' wing in place, that God will show up and revive this area like never before. So I'm really fired up about that. But I pray that you'll pray this week and just see if you're supposed to be a part of this. And maybe you're like, Doug, I'd love to give. I've had some people say, Doug, I'd love to give, but right now I know I can't. That's okay. That's okay. Maybe you can in the future, or maybe you're not supposed to. Either way. But we're excited about what God's doing, and I'm excited about you and I keeping our eyes on God's vision. So I hope tonight you're leaving with not just this vision for the building, but vision for your life. Vision for where you are and what you're going through. Vision for the different things that maybe you're working through and wrestling through right now as waves of opposition and obstacles hit us all. What would it look like to say, God, I'm really tired of bowing to this sin struggle in my life. You gave me a vision for what I could do and be if I was an overcomer in this area and I've really been struggling. The opposition has been great. The temptation has been overwhelming. 
God, reignite that vision in my heart. Give me the grace and strength that I need. Do you see what I mean? That there's vision that God's put in us that we need to get fired up about again. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to let you know that Jesus came for you. He loves you so much. He died on a cross for you. He gave his life so you could have free salvation. And he loves you and he wants you to know him. And that's why we're all about this. Because this is a unique message. This is a message that is not religious. It's a message about a God who has come to save and rescue. And that's what that community needs. That's what the people out there need. They don't need to hear somebody get up on a stage and say, you have to keep all these rules and then maybe God will think about it. No, we have a savior who said, just come to me as you are and then I'll work. I'll do the work. I'll do the work. As you cooperate with me, let me give you a vision for your life. I'll do the heavy work as you cooperate with me. And so if you want a relationship with him, I'd love to pray with you in just a minute. But whether it's for this building or our personal lives, let's keep our eyes on God's vision. Because to overcome opposition, we keep our eyes on God's vision. Let's pray together. God, we love you. And we're so thankful for you tonight, God. We're so thankful for this awesome place to meet, this amazing venue that you've given us, Lord. We're so blessed by it. Thank you for it, God. And God, we just pray that you will put on our hearts exactly what needs to be there. I pray for everybody here. I pray for everybody watching online, listening to the podcast later, that God, not one person would feel like we're twisting anybody's arm here. We just want your will done. That's it. We want your will done. And as we come next week, and some of us will feel led to commit, to pledge something, God, I, I just pray that you'll bless that process. And so I just, I would ask you, if you're a follower of Jesus, pray about two things right now. Number one, Am I supposed to be a part of this? And if so, how much? And number two, what's that area of your life where you need God to breathe life back into that vision? And if you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to look to him today for salvation and forgiveness, you can pray with me now. You can say something like this, Jesus, thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for your tremendous love. Thank you for this gift of life, freedom, hope, peace. Thank you that you're a generous God. Would you show me now what it looks like to follow you? Thank you for this amazing grace. Oh God, would you pour it out on me abundantly? Your name. Amen.